Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. like to um, dedicate this talk tonight to the memory of my dad, whose birthday it is today. Uh, he would have been 93 today, and he, he hasn't been around for a long time. He, he passed away in 1984, and he was when he was 66. Uh, but he was uh, a really special guy and a special person in my life. Um, if you if you have the uh, Awakening Joy book, uh, that he's he's the first dedication there, as I as I say in the in the book, uh, dedicated hmm, dedicated to Arnold Barras, who taught me how to love, and. Uh, but it's not a very big picture, but there's a, a picture of him, and you can kind of get a, a sense of him. I have a picture of him over here. Hi, Dad. Hmm. So um, the title of the talk is Life Coming Together as You. <clears throat> and I'll start by sharing some reflections of of my dad, uh, and hopefully it's something that perhaps can be relevant to you in your, in who you are, and then um, expand it a bit to, um, uh, to bring a, a Buddhist perspective on um, a point I'm trying to make. <clears throat> so as, I'll, I'll share a little bit about Arnold Barris, who um, was a kind of almost larger-than-life character, huge influence, the main influence on me in many respects. Uh, he, he wasn't perfect. He had his flaws. He wasn't a saint. But um, he really knew how to love Well, we'll see if I get through this. Uh, <laughs> um, he was very outgoing, extrovert. He was an actor. He, he actually was an actor. That would have been his chosen profession if he didn't have to support a family. Um, and he was a, a salesman, a really good salesman, because he... People fell in love with him, and he, he charmed them, and he was a real charmer, and he really knew how to take care, take care of you. you know, it was, he loved to take care, uh, or to be generous, and, and he was impeccable in, in, many, in many ways. Um, and he was an actor in his early life and in his later life. He actually did a couple of things off-Broadway, and... Uh, but his main acting was for the Jewish center of Jackson Heights, where he was often the, one of the main characters in the, in the show. Uh, singer, loved to sing, singing all the time. Um, and he had a very playful spirit. Um, a memory, there's a few memories that would come through as I, I think about sharing who he was. Uh, he... He really didn't care that much what people thought of him because he kind of felt pretty good about who he was. So, but he was, he was a good-hearted person. But uh, one memory would be uh, we'd often go walk hand-in-hand hand down, uh, down the street uh, when I was little, and he, um, he sometimes would skip through the street and be singing while he's skipping. And here I am, like, you know, six or seven years old, 
and the ongoing line, which was like a, a, a standard line throughout our whole whole life, was, you know, Dad, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> so, I know, I'm embarrassing you, aren't I? <laughs> um, but that was kind of who he was. He, he, he was playful, he liked to have fun. Um, he was... Um, Besides being an actor, uh, wished he could be a full-on actor. His other profession that he wished he could have been was a lawyer, because he loved to argue uh, about anything. You know, if you if you took one side, he, just for the fun of it, you know, he'd play devil's advocate and uh, and say, "Oh yeah, and well, what about this?" And uh, he actually one of the few people I know who who, um, when he got a ticket, either a parking ticket or, uh, or a moving violation, there was a place in him that actually relished it because he was going to go to court and win the case. <laughs> it was his one chance he had to be Perry Mason. You know, and, he, and he often did, too. It was, it was, he was an unusual kind of fellow like that. He loved to argue, was stubborn as all, as all hell when the 60s came along and uh, uh, both the Vietnam War and uh, the, the hippies and uh, the, the younger generation and you know, peace, um, we, had a few, we had a few disagreements, <clears throat> major disagreements. Um, but the thing was that I always knew that he loved me. Always. Sometimes we would have knockdown, drag out arguments that, and and he wouldn't be speaking to me for uh, for a little while, and I knew it was killing him more than it was me. Finally, I, I remember one. It was. It was a major issue we were dealing with, and finally I, I realized it was it was too painful for him. I was going to kind of last it through. I had my long hair and was kind of like I was. I had my counterculture compadres by by this time, uh, but I just out of you know besides besides the fact that loving him, I just said okay, let's get along, and uh, I just kind of said okay, I'm I'm going to be the the one that. Uh, Offers the olive branch. Um, so you, you've heard a little bit about my mom for me, and if you and those who have gone on YouTube, if you if you haven't seen my mom, if you go to um, Confessions of a Jewish Mother, how my son ruined my life, uh, which, which 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 is now up to one hundred and sixty six thousand views. Um, she, <laughs> Um, she's very funny. Um, and her thing on that, and as I write in the book, was she worried about everything. She said if she didn't have something to worry about, then she really would get worried, right? And, com- and often would see what's wrong. My dad was, as you can probably guess, just completely the opposite. It was always going to work out. He was always trusting in life. And you know it, how it works. You'll get what you look for. So if you see how things are wrong, that can, you'll have your hypothesis corroborated. And if you see how things will work out, they do, uh, often, with a little help from my mother, who was kind of taking care of things to make sure that they worked out. But um, he just trusted in life. And like I said, he just knew how to love when you were around his aura and he loved you. Um, it, was, it was powerful. And even to this day, when I hear, I hear his words whenever we'd have a, a phone conversation and he'd end it every time with, I love you, boy. Just saying it, it's like, you know, I'm channeling that. And he also was, uh, could well up with tears. He, his heart could be touched very easily. Uh, not in anything other than uh, just a, a softness. Um, very generous um, to 
in, in some ways, it, it, was, it was an issue because he'd be generous with everybody else. And sometimes my mom wished he'd be as generous with her as he would with everybody else. But uh, they loved each other dearly. And I, one memory that I have, we were in... Uh, <laughs> We were going down Queens Boulevard on a Sunday, his day off. He worked really hard, um, and uh, somebody was at, was lost and asking, and 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 my my dad saw he was lost, and uh, and so he my dad stopped me. He said, "Yeah, you lost. You you need some some help." He said, "You know, I I don't know how do you get from here to Far Rockaway?" And he was asking the you know, what train do you take or what bus do you take? He was completely lost. You know. My father said, get in the car, which was not the way my mother planned to spend her Sunday, but that, that was my father, you know, for, for better or worse. Mm. And he was a kind of glue that, held the family together. When he passed away, it was really hard for everyone, for my sister, for my mom, for, for, for me, for his sisters, my aunts, because he was kind of like this you know, magnet of, of love. And there was this big hole that was, uh, that was there when, when he was gone. Um, but... For me, actually, his, I had a chance to get used to it because he passed away of, um, from cancer, and it was a it was a process, and um, I grieved a lot in the the weeks before he passed away, a uh, lot of crying, and then by the time it happened and he was ready, it, something very uh, amazing happened, which I I've since. Because I went through it myself, uh, have offered as a possibility to others, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. It wasn't so much that he was gone, but rather he just kind of merged with me. It was like an internal grokking, if you know that word from strange in a strange land. He just became part of me, and it was. I, w- I talked to him a lot uh, when he was first gone, but after a while, it was like he is—he was living through me. And um, that's one of the things I wanted to share about how um, people live through us. That when they're gone, they're not gone completely. This is, I mean, being gone is part of the, that's part of the curriculum that we're all here to come to terms with and understand. But what's left is a particular energy, a particular um, resonance that they, they touch us with that allows them to live through us. And so I, for many years, just felt my dad's, that energy that we shared, that love, that unconditional love, just kind of uh, moving through me. And, and one of the ways that he has lived through me is uh, in the the raising of my my family particularly my son Adam who I was you know fortunate enough to have a really great guy and just it was like when I became a father which was something that I had always wanted it was like oh I can channel I can channel my dad's love through me and uh, it was it was a kind of way that of of him coming alive once again, and uh, and passing it on to uh, to my son, my other son, uh, Tony, who 
if you've read Awakening Joy or you've heard my story, uh, Tony is chapter five in, in Awakening Joy. He's my oldest son who I didn't um, I didn't know about till um, uh, when he was when he was born, but um, he he found me. Uh, I saw him once after he was born, and then it's a won't go into the whole story now. He's been here before, and um, he found me at 29, which was like uh, 11 years ago, almost 12 years ago. And uh, the amazing thing about Tony, I, I just was in L.A. yesterday. I, I was with Tony and my mom and, uh, and my family down there. Um, that even though he never met my dad, um, s- my dad lived through him too. When he, was, uh, when he contacted me and I saw a picture of him before he came, it was like striking. Oh my goodness. God, he looks just like my father. It was it was eerie, but then when we met, he was just like my father. At least certain aspects of just this loving heart that that you just you can't help but be um, moved and and, uh, and 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 delighted in in that that energy. Um, so he lived through, my dad lived through, through him in a different way, not through direct action, but there's something, whether it's genetic or karmic or whatever, but there was my dad. And my, my mom, who's now 93, and Tony have this love affair together because she found my dad again. And, uh, you know, she, she can't talk about Tony without... Crying, and after a couple of couple of words, uh, she's found that embodiment, and Tony has found the grandma that he was uh, always yearning for. So it's kind of strange. It can happen on on many different different levels. How how people live through us. And so, who is it? that we call me. You know, I'm sure most of you are quite familiar with the um, Buddhist concept of anatta, A-N-A-T-T-A, which means not-self, the selfless nature of reality, that who we think we are as some kind of solid entity to whom life is happening is really just a construct that we are made up of so many different elements and aspects and people and experiences and genetics and karma all coming together in a unique configuration, a unique pattern of life, process of life called you. But in that pattern and process, you can't point to anything that's separate from anything else. Thich Nhat Hanh has this uh, wonderful image. He talks about looking, looking at life. He, he, one example that he gives is um, a piece of paper. He says, if you look at this, this paper, in this paper... If you look deeply, you see the sun, the rain, the logger, the logger's father and family. You see all the people that were in the logger's life and all the people who then processed the, uh, the, the tree and the, who made the machines, the earthworms who tilled the soil, everything. All of the universe is right here in this piece of paper. And in the same way, we are not separate. Everything and everyone who's had an influence 
on you, whether it's positive or difficult or negative, they've all gone into making you who you are. And as we all know, sometimes it's the hardest interactions and the most challenging experiences that deepen our capacity for love and compassion. So could you say, oh no, I don't want, I wouldn't want to have that. I wouldn't want to learn the lesson that I learned there. I wouldn't want to have my heart broken and understand the depth of suffering so I could meet others with a spirit of compassion. Would you say that? It's all part of the deal. We're a synthesis of everything that we've taken in that kind of comes through us, woven together in a unique combination that's never been here before. But we often miss that. We often miss and say, oh, I know who I am, you know, or I know who they are, and have a very limited snapshot. I was trying to remember if I read this. Did I re- read uh, the poem A Crabbed Old Woman here recently? Is that not here? It was in a, a small group that I do, but I hadn't do it. Just listen to this to, to give you a sense of how we sometimes miss who people are, who we are through our limited lens. This was uh, a poem found among the possessions of an, of an old Irish lady who died in a geriatric hospital um, uh, a century ago. And um, a nurse on the hospital sa- staff sent a copy to the editor of the Beacon House News in Northern Ireland, a magazine of the Northern Ireland Association for Mental Health. And the old lady, uh, whose name was Kate, was unable to speak, but was often seen writing. This was her poem. What do you see, nurses? What do you see? What are you thinking when you look at me? A crabbed old woman, not very wise, uncertain of habits with faraway eyes, who dribbles her food and makes not reply, when you say in a loud voice, I do wish you'd try, who seems not to notice the things that you do and forever is losing a stocking or shoe, who unresisting or not lets you do as you will with bathing and feeding the long day to fill. Is that what you're thinking? Is that what you see? Then then open your eyes. You're not looking at me. I'll tell you who I am as I sit here so still as I move at your bidding, as I eat at your will. I'm a small child of ten with a father and mother, brothers and sisters who love one another, a young girl at sixteen with wings on her feet, dreaming that soon now a lover she'll meet, a bride soon at twenty, my heart gives a leap, remembering the vows that I promised to keep. At twenty-five now, I have young of my own who need me to build a secure, happy home, A woman of thirty, my young grow so fast, bound to each other with ties that should last. At forty, my young now soon will be gone, but my man stays beside me to see I don't mourn. At fifty, once more babies play round my knee. Again we know children, my loved one and me. Dark days are upon me, my husband is dead. I look at the future, I shudder with dread. For my young are all busy rearing young of their own, and I think of the years and the love I have known. I'm an old woman now, and nature is cruel. Tis her jest to make old age look like a fool. The body it crumbles, grace and vigor depart, and now there's a stone where I once had a heart. But inside this old carcass, a young girl still dwells, and now and again my battered heart swells. I remember the joys, I remember the pain, and I'm loving and living life over again. I think of the years, all too few, gone so fast, and accept the stark fact that nothing can last. So open your eyes, nurses, open and see, not a crabbed old woman. Look closer, see me. 
all the people, all the events, all the inspirations that go into making you And when we think about what we give meaning to our life as we're here in this strange dance that we get to do for however many decades, what can give meaning beyond allowing all the good that we've been fortunate to receive and cultivate to move through us, to be shared. Because just like you've been a product of that synthesis of all of those different strands, you are an important strand in probably many people's life. You, whether you like it or not, you make a difference. Whether you like it or not, you affect everyone around you. Some in very profound ways, some in mysterious ways that you couldn't imagine. We all make a difference. What difference do you want to make? Who will be affected by how all of those strands weave and come through you and touch the people that you interact with? We all have have received a legacy of benefactors from our parents. And if you're not fortunate enough to have, say, a parent like I described my, my father. I was just so fortunate, especially for, a, for a, a male figure. It's not so common, at least in his, his generation. But it doesn't matter if you haven't had that. Even if you've had someone in your life who's touched you with their kindness and their caring and their goodness and their love, that's all it takes. Just someone, somewhere, that's shown you your own goodness by loving you. That's all it takes. And we all know stories. I can think of, actually, today, I was sharing with my mom, somebody who works with my mom, beautiful woman, uh, Mercedes from, uh, from Mexico, who was telling me about her, her life. She had a pretty hard life. And yet she just, it's great being around her. Just this such high being who is simple and just wants to love and give. And it's just saying, wow, how did that happen? And she said, I don't know. I always just wanted to love. So not to think that, oh, because this didn't happen, you're damaged or you're wounded or whatever. And I know people who didn't have that in their, their earlier years who that seed was sprouted and awoken in, in later years who have that much more understanding of what it's like to be afraid and to be alone who have something very special to give through their own wounding and pain. We all have something to give that can move through us. And so I, I wanted, as a part of this evening, to do a, a little um, uh, guided meditation honoring our benefactors and seeing our place in this um, mysterious legacy. When I think of my benefactors, before we do it, I'll just share with you, you know, um, one, one of my main teachers, as, as most of you know, is um, Ramdas, 
who whose benefactor was Neem Karoli Baba, who's a benefactor of mind, who received something from somewhere else, back and back. I have no idea how that worked. Or Joseph Goldstein, who's my main uh, Dharma, Buddha Dharma teacher, who received something from Manindraji, who received something from Mahasi Sayadaw, who received something from the Buddha, all the way down many lineages. Or Punjaji, another very profound teacher of mine who received a transmission from Ramana Maharshi. That's part of this mysterious lineage. Or my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Oxman, who is still with me with her keys. She had about, you know, 30 keys on a ring and she kind of made like she was going to be tough and really give it to you, but who just had this love and, and, uh, and respect, uh, commanded respect. She's in there too. And all the friends and all the relationships that I've been blessed to both receive on the, on the joyful end and on the challenging end, all there. So just invite you to reflect in your own life. Just close your eyes for a moment. And uh, think of one benefactor in your life. Somebody who's made a difference for you. Who's inspired you or believed in you or loved you, or has cared for you or about you. And as you bring them to mind, have an image of them, and feel that special transmission that you were fortunate enough to receive. Their smile, their loving care, their playfulness, their their, whatever it was, their diligence. And as you drink that sweet nectar of inspiration or love in, having a, a moment of gratitude and appreciation, Wherever they are, they might not be around anymore. Just taking that in. And now for a moment, reflect on their benefactors. Maybe you know or maybe you don't know. People who inspired them, who brought out the best in them. And then another generation. Maybe you have no idea who's in that second or third or fourth tier. But just imagine going back and back and back, just a lineage of caring and love that has come through each of those generations to that benefactor through that benefactor, to you. And for a moment, maybe sending some metta and gratitude back and back through that particular strand. And now for a moment, reflect that you've had more than one benefactor. You've had many people who've touched your life. And for a moment, reflect on the different strands of beings who've touched you in some mysterious way, whether it's in person or even through reading about them or hearing them in a talk. 
Think of the various benefactors in your life. How much good energy you've received. And then playing around with it, just going back and back through those generations, their benefactors, and behind them, your ancestor benefactors. So much good energy, so much love, so much caring, so much wisdom and kindness that has traveled through all those beings and woven their unique strands in you that combined with your own karma and your own experiences and circumstances have gone into making up this person called you. A conduit for all of that kindness and caring, all moving through all of those generations through you and reflect on the fact that it doesn't stop there. You're not the end of the line. That all of that synthesis gets expressed through you and transmitted to the people who you touch and the beings who you touch. Maybe beings that you've already touched, children or loved ones or friends. Maybe you've mentored, or maybe you've held in your own caring heart. those beings who you've already touched and maybe those yet to be touched. How mysterious all of that goodness coming through you, getting transmitted and transferred and passed on because it doesn't stop with them either. Think of the beings that they in turn in turn will touch as they grow older or beings yet to encounter. And for a moment, reflect on the generations to come who will also be part of that lineage. through you, beyond and beyond and beyond. Now, as you reflect on that, who does that love belong to? Who does that caring belong to? Who does that kindness or wisdom belong to? It doesn't belong to any one of you. Your ancestors, your benefactors, through you to those who you pass on and through them passing on again, it doesn't belong to anyone. It's just love finding itself through these forms. It's just kindness and awareness reminding itself and awakening itself through these forms. 
That's the beauty of anatta. That's the freedom of anatta. You're part of something much faster than we can ordinarily comprehend. And as you reflect on that, getting a sense of making a difference. What difference do you want to make? Who will be affected? How can you pass on all the gifts that you've received that come through the unique expression called you? What a joyful responsibility that is. here and see if there's any comments, any questions, anything that you'd like to share. If you, if you can stay, it would be great if you can. If you need to go, then do, but otherwise we'll be ending in just a few minutes. Um, anybody have anything that comes up from that? James, I, I, I want to really thank you for a wonderful realization of, of uh, life and, and, and realizing what's happened to me and, and how I'm trying to pass it on. It was really great. It's just thank you. Thank you. You've got a lot of goodness to pass on. <laughs> I know this guy. <laughs> thank you. I'll just share a fragment of a Hafiz poem that kept running through my mind as you were talking. He writes, I think, approximately, all I want to do is keep emptying out my pockets of emeralds on this tear-stained world. Mm. Emptying out my pockets of emeralds on this tear-stained world. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I recently uh, visited my mother's grave in Montana, and I was tending to it. And she and I had a pretty rough journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, an old man came into the cemetery and... Um, he he said he knew who I was because I looked so much like my mother. Mm. And then when I talked to him, he said, you sound just like her too. <laughs> and I'm really happy that through the last few years, some transformations that have been going on for me have made it possible for me to feel that. And I was really grateful when he said that. Mm. For It's a new thing part of my life now that I can let the goodness of her come through me mm-hmm. and let go of the, the bad stuff you know it's a really beautiful exercise you did tonight thank you mm. thank you yeah it is a kind of interesting thing where we we can easily look through a particular lens a particular filter and say oh that's what I had to go through with this person and miss, miss out in our distorted memories or our mm, distorted vision any of the goodnesses or kindnesses or ways that, mm, that maybe 
the, the care might not have been as, you know, the way we would have liked, but sometimes people uh, don't learn well how to express their, their caring and love. But if you can go deeper and see that's really maybe part of who they were too, there's a kind of openness. It takes energy to, to keep our armoring closed, our heart closed and protected. And if nothing else, then to see the, with compassion the, the confusion that somebody might have had and see that that also is part of the generations of, of legacy passed on then uh, it just lets the love out that much more. So I'm glad that he reminded you. Thank you. Anything else? Yes, I'll pass to Walt over there. Um, well, thanks, James. My uh, was this very timely because my father is dying of leukemia right now, mm. and I'm going to visit him next week. And I just talked to him last night, and I was dream- had a dream about him. I think last night. And anyway, so um, for some reason, I was really touched by the story of your father giving the guy a ride across town because my father would do things like that. And one time my car broke down out on the highway and it was raining and he drove out and picked me up and I had this new car stereo and I dropped it in the rain on the pavement. I was in a really bad mood. (laughs) And uh, so then we're driving home and there's a guy hitchhiking in the rain and my dad stops and gives him a ride. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) I want to go home, you know, very selfishly. And I, it was something I hadn't even realized about my father, that he would stop for somebody in the rain and give him a ride. And that's what I remember, you know. And, um, somehow I was just thinking about how your mother may have wanted that nice afternoon, but you, they probably would have forgotten about that, but you'll remember giving the guy a ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. So these little acts of kindness are meaningful. Yeah. And anyway, thanks. it was a useful reflection for me the whole evening. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you Thank very you. much. Yeah, and uh, um, I I wish you the the best uh, in that process. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a good reminder about letting him come through me too, and it's a, a way of holding the holding him somehow as he slips away. Because it's also like I can feel him sort of slipping away in some some sense, but also I feel much closer to him than I've ever felt before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of hard times in the teen years. <laughs> but anyway, thank yeah. you. Yeah, all, all part of the, the, the process, the transmission. Yeah. It's great that if you, can, if you can end on a good loving note, if that's possible, go for it. It's, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, so thank you. Okay, so we'll, we'll close with a, a loving kindness. Mm. And just reflecting that in part of your mysterious journey that you've been so fortunate enough to be exposed to the Dharma. This is extraordinarily good karma. Not to miss that and to to realize that also has its own joyful responsibility. Wow, what did I do right? Something. So just to really honor yourself in this whatever mysterious way, all the goodness that you've received and the good karma to be exposed to, teachings that can help awaken the heart and the mind, This is not an accident. What can you do with your life to really honor it, honor your good fortune and bring some meaning to your life? You can start by appreciating your own being and wishing 
yourself well. May I open up to all the goodness and the blessings in my life and share my love well. May I see through my fears and confusions and awaken to the Buddha inside. And then to share that with everyone here and from this room to all beings everywhere, just sharing all of our good energy and the whatever good merit that we accrue being here together, may it be shared with all beings, may all see their own goodness and share their love well. May all wake up through their confusion and fear and discover the Buddha right inside of them. May all beings find happiness and peace. And may our time here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> Have a good couple of weeks and uh, enjoy Heather next week and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.